April 26, 2017. News anchor Scott Swan had just powered through another midday newscast for WTHR in Indianapolis. But now, he could no longer ignore the pain that had plagued him for days. I went into the bathroom and felt very clammy. I felt lightheaded. I just felt this enormous pain down in my stomach and just knew that, you know, this was getting worse, progressively worse. Scott's when he texted her, the pain had gotten worse. And that's when I finally shot him the text, all caps, you know, go to the doctor today. I just knew it wasn't getting better. He needed to go. I don't know if I felt fear. I just felt pain. And I just wanted the pain to go away. Still, he waited until after work to check into an emergency room near his home. After finding Scott's blood pressure dangerously low, doctors ordered a CAT scan. Vascular surgeon Dr. Randy Irwin was home when he got a frantic call from the ER doctor. And he had called me even before Scott got out of the CAT scanner and found that he was bleeding into his belly. He was barely hanging on to consciousness. We knew he was bleeding to death, but we didn't know why. What they did know was that Scott needed surgery as soon as possible. I immediately tried to get him flown down to the big hospital at St. Vincent's on 86th Street. Um, but we couldn't do it because of an impending storm coming in, so we had to bring him down by ambulance, even though his blood pressure was kind of between 60 and 80. I would put his statistics at dying on the way down to see me, probably around 70-80%. Meanwhile, Janae was trying to get a flight home from Mexico. With spotty cell service, all she knew was that Scott had checked into an ER, but now needed to be transferred to another hospital. I had no idea, really, the severity of what was going on. I'm not getting information. It was very hard to communicate, and I just, I, I was stuck. I couldn't leave. All I just wanted to do was sit and pray, and like, I was just, I, I guess distraught is the only word I can think of. But Scott, now in a 30-minute ambulance ride and running out of time, was having a much different experience. I don't remember feeling the pain at that point. I just knew that, I sensed that God was with me. And while I couldn't speak and I couldn't open my eyes, I felt God's peace in the back of that ambulance. By the time Scott arrived at St. Vincent's Hospital, Dr. Irwin was waiting and had him wheeled straight into the OR. He had been receiving updates on Scott's condition. His blood pressure was very low. At one time, it was down into the 50s. And uh, when it gets that low, it's hard to get enough blood flow to your brain. And he lost a lot of blood. I would say he probably lost um, two to three liters of blood. At once, Dr. Irwin tried to locate the bleeding artery using a catheter. Instead, he made a startling discovery. It looked like Scott had stopped bleeding. Um, it stopped on its own, um, but we could clearly see some arteries inside there that were not normal. Um, and then after that, we kind of stopped everything. As surgery was no longer needed, Dr. Irwin sent Scott to intensive care. The next day, he inserted a coil into Scott's artery to prevent further bleeding. Having finally found a flight home, Janae arrived at the hospital later that same day. Slowly, the details of Scott's brush with death began to unfold. He was in ICU at that point, and I just ran into the room, and I was just so excited to see him. Um, you know, he's been my best friend for almost 40 years. It just really hit me how um, 
how close he was to dying. After 12 days, Scott went home. By then, doctors had discovered he had a rare autoimmune disorder that attacked the arteries around his stomach. It could be controlled by medication, but some things call for another explanation. He had no other complications, and uh, his CAT scans recently have shown that the um, arteritis or polyarteritis nodosum has completely gone away. And I think there's no doubt that if Scott didn't stop bleeding on his own, that he probably would have died before he got down here to see me. To me, there's no good medical explanation to why that artery sealed and why I stopped bleeding. As a Christ follower, I believe God healed me. Scott and Janae say this experience has revealed God's power to them in ways they've never seen before. I know that the Lord takes something and just makes it better, and that's what he's done with the situation, right? Creating a miracle, saving him, and now for him to have a platform like this to go and spread the good news and to encourage others. You know, I read through scriptures. God is my rock. God is my fortress. God is my healer. Those were just words before, but I've experienced all of those firsthand. God is my healer. God is my savior. He is my God of miracles. I want people to know that whatever you're going through in life, that God is with you. Good morning, Arbor. I'll have people ask me, hey, isn't it coming up on the anniversary of you almost dying? <laughs> and my comment back to them is, that's not the way I look at it. Yes, it was a brush with death, but coming up on a third year anniversary of God saving my life is the perspective in which I look at what happened to me three years ago. Look, I am a miracle. This is a miracle. And I give God all the credit for it. I don't know why it happened. Perhaps the reason it happened was that it gives me an opportunity to go to churches like Arbor and to talk about God's faithfulness, his healing power, and the miracle that he may have in store for you this morning. I love coming to Seattle. My sister is a great care pastor here at Arbor. Uh, I have been so thankful for the way she has loved me through this whole experience, the prayers that I've received at Arbor. I'm certainly thankful for that. I'm a huge advocate of what uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Jake has done here with Davey in building Arbor Church. And uh, I've been so passionate in terms of what uh, Jake has been doing. I've been going to class online and spending time through the discovery class. So I think after the service, I'm going to sign the family tree to thank Pastor Jake for all he's done. And uh, I love coming here. I've got my favorite meteorologist in TV is my niece who is here. And I've got my nieces here today. I've got one of my longest uh, running best friends from high school who has come with his family. I've been coming to Seattle 30 years and I love coming back to the Northwest. You live in a beautiful place and I uh, am happy to be uh, here with you this morning. When you're in TV news, you follow a couple of mantras. 
One of them is this idea of never bury the lead. In other words, make sure that the most important fact that you have in a story, the most important fact that you want to communicate in a speech, you don't bury it in the middle of the story or at the end of the story. Don't bury the lead. Make sure that the most important fact is put in the first sentence or in the first paragraph. Never bury the lead. So as I was praying about the message that I wanted to bring to Arbor this morning, the overriding fact that I wanted you to hear this morning comes down to three words. God loves you. God loves you. Look, as Christians, we've heard that our entire life, right? God loves you. But I want you to live in a place where you live believing that the God of this universe, the God who created everything out out there that we see, the God who created the beauty of the Pacific Northwest, the God who holds the earth in his hands, that God of the universe loves you. Think about that. Live in that every day. Wake up every day knowing that the God of the universe loves you. You're not a mistake. God designed you. God imagined you. God dreamed about you. There's this verse in scripture that I love out of Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you live with that truth in your life? You are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together by the God of this universe. You are not a mistake. God sees you. God knows everything about you. God loves you. The Bible is filled with scriptures talking about God's love for you. Obviously, the The scripture that we hang our hats on and know so well comes from John. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came on a rescue mission for you and for me. It's personal. He came here that if we turned our lives over to Jesus Christ and invited him into our hearts as our personal Savior and Lord, that we get a chance to spend eternity in heaven with him. That is the hope that we have. That is the God who loves you. And you know what? God's plans and your purposes for your life are beyond anything that you could even imagine. You may think that you know what's best in your life and for your life, but God's got great plans that go beyond anything you could even dream up on your own. Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God's not angry at you. God doesn't have plans to harm you. God loves you. He's got plans and purposes for your life that are gonna be unimaginable for you. And did you know that the God who created you, who imagined you, is constantly thinking of you? On this Sunday morning, I want you to picture yourself on your perfect beach, the most beautiful beach that you've ever been to in your life. Take yourself there mentally. It's just you and the beach. 
it's a perfectly sunny day. Mid-80s, blue sky, sunshine, palm trees swaying. There's a gentle breeze, great waves in front of you. You've got that white powdery sand on either side stretching into the ocean. It is a perfect day on the beach. Now you go down and you reach up and you grab some sand in your hands and you've got it in your hand. Imagine the idea of trying to count the grains of sand in your hand. Did you know that the God of the universe who created you, his thoughts for you outnumber the grains of sand? It's found here in Psalm 139. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. The God who loves you thinks about you so often. When you're at work, when you're sleeping, he's constantly thinking about you. His thoughts for you outnumber the grains of sand in your hand, the grains of sand at your feet, the grains of sand that cover your entire perfect beach and my perfect beach as well. That's the God who loves you. It is personal. And God loves you so much, he's gonna forgive all the mistakes that you've made, just like he's forgiven me. Jesus has this great story that he tells about a father and two sons. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. Here's the deal. The youngest son decides that he's done living with dad. He's ready to go out on his own, and so he comes to his father and he says, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. Give me my inheritance, and the father does. The youngest son then leaves the house and everything that he's grown up with and decides that he's, gonna got, he's got wild plans. So he goes to a different country, and boy, he whoops it up. He's living this party life. There's all sorts of things that are happening, and he blows the money. He blows the money. He makes all sorts of mistakes. Now what? He's found his life is shipwrecked. He's found that his faith has, has wavered. Now what is he going to do? He finds himself pigs, eating what pigs are going to eat. He can't imagine that his father would ever take him back as his son. So he decides to go back as his son's servant, as his father's servant. And so he des- decides to go back. He's probably filled with guilt and shame for the mistakes that he's made. He can't imagine that his father loves him anymore. And as he approaches the neighborhood, who's out there on the front porch? His father. His father has been out there on the front porch looking out into the distance, waiting, keeping an eye out for his son. And when he finally sees his young son coming up to the house, what does the father do? Does the father basically come out and say, look at the mistakes you made. You're a loser. I could never love you again. Leave. No, he doesn't do that. The father's reaction is to go running toward his young son. He runs toward his son because he loves his son, because he cares about his son, because he's always had his eye on his son, and he wants to forgive his son. He wraps his arms around him. He hugs him. He kisses him. He gets his best ring and puts it on the finger. He grabs his best robe and puts it around his shoulders. He throws a party because my son has returned. You see, this is how God looks at you and me. Despite the crud in my life, 
despite the mistakes I've made, and look, there's not enough TV makeup to go ahead and cover up the mistakes that I've had in my life, but despite the mistakes that I've made, that you have made, God runs toward us because your God loves you. Your God forgives you. He throws a party. So God loves us. And yet on the other side, there's an enemy who hates us. Satan can't stand you. He hates you and he hates me. He works overtime to try to disrupt us in everything that we do because he wants us disconnected from God. He comes at us with everything that he's got to ruin your marriage, to take away relationships, to disrupt your family life, your finances. He gets you scared about things. He works overtime because he's out there to destroy you. The enemy hates you. God loves you. If you're sitting here thinking, well, Scott, that's nice of you to say and all, but God's never gonna, he's never gonna forgive me for the mistakes that I've made. You don't know my story. You don't know the things that have happened to me. There's a scripture in the Bible that gives you hope. It's found in this little known book of the Bible, Micah, Micah 7.19. You God will have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot. You'll hurl all of our inequities into the depths of the sea. There's a message paraphrase that puts it this way. You'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. So I like deep sea fishing. I love going out on a boat and trying to hook a large fish. So in my imagination, God takes me out on a deep sea Uh, boat, and we go out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and God puts all of my mistakes, all of my sins in a giant bag, and he says, give me your bag, Scott, of mistakes, your inequities, the things that you have done in your life that you're you're not proud of. Give them to me, and he hurls them. He doesn't just drop them. He hurls them into the depths of the sea. He sinks them to the bottom of the ocean and basically puts up a no fishing sign. Says, Scott, you can't go back here and try to relive that mistake. I've forgotten it, I've hurled it, it's at the bottom of the sea, you can't come back here and that's what he's done for you. All the mistakes that we have made, God gets rid of them. He sinks them to the bottom of the ocean and says, don't come back here again. You don't have to blame yourself for the mistakes that you've made in the past. As Christ followers, we have the truth in scripture that says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to beat yourself up over the things that you've done in your past, just like I don't have to. Don't beat yourself up because that's the enemy reminding you of your mistakes, not the God who has forgiven you. He's forgiven it, hurled it into the depths of the sea, it's sunk to the bottom of the ocean. You have that assurance, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, God has wiped out your sins, past, present, and future. That is the God who loves you. Now, I heard this message growing up in Southern California. I was 12. 
went to a church camp, I heard the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, who came on this rescue mission for me and for you. I heard that Jesus died on a cross for me in my place, where I should have died. He dies on a cross, taking all of my sins with him, because he loves me. And he rises three days later, and basically says, if you put your trust in him, you will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Now that's a heck of a lot better than the alternative, which is a Christless eternity. Spending life in hell away from God and Jesus, that's not the kind of life I want, that's not the kind of life you want. So as a 12 year old, I gave my life to Christ, asked him to come into my heart, to change me, to save me, to forgive me, and that's what he did. I struggled with my faith as a late teen and early 20s adult because I struggled with panic attacks. I had a lot of anxiety when I was in college. I can remember the first panic attack I had. I was at a theater with mom and dad. We had these great seats. We were right up front having these symptoms I'd never had before. Sweaty palms, racing heartbeat, upset stomach. I couldn't stay where I was, so I got up out of my seat and went to an exit. You see, back at the exit, I didn't have the symptoms. I was safe back there. Those panic attacks not only struck me that first night in the theater, but when I went back to class, I had another panic attack. When I went to the movie theater, a panic attack, into a sporting event, into a restaurant, on an airplane, everywhere I was going, I had these panic attacks. And can I just tell you this just in, panic attacks, not good for people who want to be on TV. (laughs) Not good. The career that I chose for myself at 15 was now gonna be a giant problem because when I was on TV, I was having these panic attacks. Viewers didn't know I was having them, they were internal. It's in irrational fear. Viewers didn't know I was having them, but I was in turmoil inside. So what do I do as a Christ follower? I pray, pray that God would take it away. And what's the answer I got? Silence. Where was God? Where was the God who designed me, imagined me, loved me? Where was that God? Because I was going to God asking for help and I was getting silence. Not the answer I wanted. There's a scripture that looks at how I felt back at that point. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Look, I dealt with panic attacks for 10 years. It shipwrecked my TV career. I had to quit my job in Hawaii. Who quits a job in Hawaii? (laughs) I had brown hair back then. I could go to the beach every day. Where was God? Why wasn't he taking these panic attacks, this anxiety? Why wasn't he taking it away? I wrongly blamed him. My faith wavered. I quit TV, went to work for Disney, and while I had good, you know, good benefits, free tickets, Jake, 
I long to get back into TV. And so after five years, these panic attacks started subsiding. I could go back into restaurants, go back into theaters. I could go back into church and sit where I want without having to get up and go find an exit. God was healing me, but he was doing it in his time, not mine. God's thoughts are beyond our thoughts. I started praying again that God would answer and open up a door for me to get back into TV news. God had one job offer that came up, a place I'd never been to, didn't know much about, Indianapolis, Indiana. Look, I'm from Southern California. I spent time in Palm Springs and Hawaii. I didn't know much about Indiana or the Midwest. But I was faithful and went, and I've been there. I can remember that first night back on TV, 1996, in January, wondering would the monster reappear, would those panic attacks resurface? Started the newscast, got through every story, end of the newscast, not a panic attack. God saved me from panic attacks, but he did it in his time. And I haven't had a panic attack since. Praise God for that. And there's a verse that talks about how I felt when those panic attacks finally left. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34, 4. Have you been praying for something for a long time and yet feeling silence from heaven, wondering where God is in your storm? God walks through the darkness with you. He does not abandon you. I had it wrong. God had a message planned that would come out of my mess. And so my testimony became simple. Wait on God's timing. He's never late. He's never wrong. His plans and purposes for your life are always perfect. So if you're going through something today, that you're carrying a burden, something where you've been praying for God's guidance and help and you haven't felt like he's answered it, hang on to the God who loves you. He doesn't ever leave you. When I was bleeding to death in the back of that ambulance, I had no idea how bad I was, no idea. only hearing the doctor say he had a 70 or 80% chance of dying before he gets there. I'm only hearing this after it's all over. So I had no idea how bad it was. And I don't know why I went through that. I don't know why God chose to save my life three years ago. I don't know why that Autoimmune disease has now left my body. Now I go in and I get these scans and they don't show any signs of the thing that nearly killed me. I don't know why that happened. Or maybe God had it planned that he had other plans and purposes for my life that are beyond the TV news thing. Maybe God wanted me to be here this morning at Arbor encouraging you in your walk, in your faith, reminding you that the God who created it all loves you and always stays with you through whatever you're going through. God is still in the miracle business. There's no doubt I'm a miracle. And so now here I am spending 
my life trying to live out Psalm 9-1. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your words. Serve a God of wonders. Don't give up on God because he sees you. He knows what you are going through. He carries you. He loves you. My mom did a great thing right before she died a couple of years ago. She wrote down all the ways that she described God, and she took it using every letter of the alphabet. So with A, she would say adoring, and I love that. I found this in her Bible after she died. And I thought, what I want to do for my life is write down a list of descriptions of who God is to me. So that when I get to a point in my life where I'm struggling with an issue, where I go back and I start doubting what God has planned, I can go back to what I know about who God is. And so I wanna share this because this is who God is to me and this is who God is to you. He imagined you. He designed you. He created you. He is your heavenly father. He was there when you were born. He has seen every moment of your life. He knows your every thought. He knows every hair on your head. He understands you better than anyone. He constantly thinks of you. He has great plans for you. He pursues you. He wants your heart. He provides you peace. He is grace. He forgives. He's patient. He celebrates you. He loves hearing your voice. He is perfect. He's holy. He is approachable. He's your redeemer. He's your sustainer. He is in control. He is sovereign. He is everywhere. He never leaves you. He is close to you. He walks through darkness with you. He changes you. He cares about you. He is your healer. He is your provider. He is your sustainer. He is almighty. He is faithful. He is unshakable. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is love. He sent his son to die for you. He sends his Holy Spirit to live in you. He sends his Holy Spirit to work through you. He wants to be in relationship with you, and he wants to spend eternity with you. Jesus, my friends, is your hope. As I look at the five areas, the five practical steps that I can give you as I close today, the first area is this idea of seeking him first. I think too much of my early adulthood as a Christian, I spent more time seeking Scott first. What's good for me? What's good for my career? What's good for my bank account? I had it all wrong. I put God at the end of my day. God got the crumbs. He got the prayer at the end of the day and I'd fall asleep. Seek him first, my friends. Put him first in your life, in every part of your life. When you grab your phone in the morning before you go to Instagram or Facebook, pick up a devotion and start getting the word into you. God speaks to us and he does it through his word. He speaks to us through scripture. Grab your phone, get those verses into your heart. Seek him first. Secondly, sing to him. Look, your heavenly father created you and created your voice. He wants to hear from you. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wonderful acts. You moms, you, your, you dads, 
grandparents, you know what it's like when you hear your child or your grandchild. You love the sound of their voice. That's how your heavenly father looks at you. He wants to hear your prayers. He wants to hear you sing to him. Our voices are designed to worship him. Get praise music going in the car on the way to work as you're driving the kids around. Let it minister and marinate in your heart. Seek him first, sing to him, and then surrender. Look, I don't know what you are coming into this room with this morning, the heaviness that you're shouldering. I don't know the stress in your life, the prayer requests that you have. We know that this community is going through some stress right now with what's happening outside these doors. We need to surrender all of that to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who is sovereign, who is on who is on the throne, who's in control. So whatever you are wrestling with this morning, instead of gripping it and trying to fix it yourself, take a palms up mentality and let it go. Let it go, surrender it to him. Say, God, I can't deal with this stress, this anxiety, this burden in my life. I can't do this, but I know you can. I surrender it to you. Seek him first, sing to him, surrender. Fourth is this idea of serving. Jake has talked about this in this last discovery class series. Find an opportunity to get involved in church and serve God. God has uniquely equipped you with talents that you can use to serve the greater good and the greater kingdom. John 12 says, whoever serves me must follow me. My father will honor the one who serves. I serve a ministry back in Indianapolis called Lamplighter Ministry. It's a ministry designed to bring Christians into a deeper relationship with Christ. We go through 10 talks and talk about his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and the person of Jesus, giving people the faith to move forward into whatever they're going through. Seeking him, singing to him, surrendering to him, serving him. And finally, as I invite the band up, sharing. Look, I'm a storyteller. I'll go back to Indiana tomorrow and be back on the news telling stories about what's happening in Indiana. I'm a storyteller. But I would say that you're a storyteller as well. Here's how. You're a storyteller of what God is doing in your life. My guess is, is if I asked everybody to come up on stage and tell in your life, we'd hear some amazing stories about God, how God has rescued you, how God has healed you, maybe even how you're waiting on God. We'd hear some amazing, powerful stories. Be a storyteller for him. Tell your community, your friends, your family, your children, your grandchildren. Tell the person who serves you coffee, the person that you run into at work. Tell them what God's doing in your life. You see, because when we are storytellers for God's grace, his faithfulness, and his healing, people don't see us, they see God at work in us. And our nation needs to see more of what God is doing. They need to hear the hope of Jesus. That's why he's equipped you to share 
his faithfulness with your world. And when you're out there sharing your story, don't bury the lead. Look, my hope is in Jesus. That's where I find my hope. And yet I know that there may be somebody in this room this morning who has not taken the step of accepting Jesus Christ into their heart as their personal Savior and Lord. Or you may be sitting there thinking, well, as a kid or as a young adult, I was close to God, but boy, I feel more like the prodigal son right now. I feel very far from God. Friends, my hope is that you would take that step this morning. In a moment, I'm going to have an invitation for you to ask Jesus to come into your life, to come into your heart. Look, all of us are going to spend eternity somewhere. I want you to spend eternity with the God who loves you, with the God who created you, the God who forgives you. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, God forgives it all. He's got his arms out. He's ready to throw you a party. All you need to do is ask. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for the miracle that you've given me. The opportunity, Father, to be a vehicle for you to share your faithfulness and your goodness with Arbor Church. Father, I pray that you would work in this room to the people who are hearing my voice, people who have never taken that step to invite Jesus to come into their hearts, or the people that have felt separated and distant from you for whatever reason, those that want to make a recommitment to Jesus. Now is your opportunity. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're saying, Scott, that's me. I want to be counted in on this prayer. I want Jesus. I need him in my heart. Today is my day. I feel the tap on my heart. I want to turn my life over to Jesus. I want to spend my life in heaven. I don't want to be separated from him. You're ready to do that. Heads are bowed, eyes closed. If you're saying, Scott, that's me. Slip your hand up in the air now so I can pray with you. Put your hands up and I'll pray for you. I see hands up. Keep them up. God sees you. God loves you. Okay, you can put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. Whisper to him because God will hear you. God's never taken his eyes off you. Just whisper to him, Dear Jesus, I love you. And I know after this morning that you love me. Come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sin. Change me, God. I turn my life over to you. I know that you're the Savior. And Father, even though I'm a sinner, I know you love me. Change me. I'm thankful, God, to know your son and knowing that I'll spend eternity in heaven. Father, I'm thankful for those who have raised their hands this morning. 
have turned their lives over to Jesus. There is a party going on in heaven right now. We know that. So I'm so thankful for that. God, I pray for this church. I pray for this area of Washington, Father, that you would continue to bless us. Continue to provide us strength. Continue to give us hope. Whisper over and over again, again, Father, how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.